My favorite archaeological site is Tittywalken. What? <laughs> <laughs> what the hell is that? The one in uh, Mexico. Yeah, titty walking. Uh, you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I can't pronounce the actual version of it. I'm not even gonna. Hi guys. Hello. It's Nikki. <laughs> and Tyler. And this is Page Turners. And Button Mashers. Ah, uh, disappointment. Oh. Well, we're back. Yeah, I should have looked up what the actual name of it is. Like Tio. Tio. Yeah. Pitiwakin? That's not. That's not right. No, that's not what it is. This is from my half of my country. Yeah. Um. So welcome back, guys. Uh, Tio to Nope. Teotihuacan. Nope. Oh yeah. 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 That one. <laughs> Kitty walking. Oh, God. <laughs> he Googled it. Uh, welcome back. I'm sorry about that intro. Um, I'm not. I know you're not. <laughs> I'm only mildly disappointed. Oh. Uh, <laughs> uh, we've been noticing, and I want to say this before we even start this, uh, we've been having a little bit of audio issues, trying to figure out what's been going on. Yeah. Um, so sorry for the past couple episodes if we sound, like, super far away. And also, like, all of them not being, um, like, the same yeah, sounding. I, so, we, we're trying. Trying out some new things. We got a new mic. <laughs> we got a new mic, like, three weeks back. And we've been playing around with it, and uh, specifically Tyler's been playing around with it because he's been using it for D&D. Because it's a good mic. <laughs> it is a good mic, but it's like, hello, this is part of the podcast. The problem is, when I ask, do I sound good, the people that I'm asking aren't audio people. Yeah. So, yeah, you sound good. I mean, no offense to them. Oh, no, all of the offense to them. Okay, which persons are you talking about? The My Sunday group. Okay, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I thought you were talking about our other podcast friends, because I was like, how rude, no, I, dude. When I, when I said they're not audio people, okay. D&D, when I change it. No, I get it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, cool. Got it. Yeah, no, the, the <laughs> D&D people. I'm going to change the subject. <laughs> well, we're back to... Uh, I really just jump right into it, I guess. Okay, right? shit. Let's <laughs> fucking go. Fuck. I don't really have book news. There's not, like, much out there. Uh, been listening to a podcast. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the book world is slacking. No, it's just I don't pay attention to a lot of the everything slacking. that's coming Slacking. <laughs> you. There have been some weird Rona books out there, okay? Oh. <laughs> I might read them because of how bad they seem. Anyway. Ooh. Uh, so, we are going back to The Help, part two. Part the Part the Yeah. By, uh, Catherine Socket. Socket. Yep. So, 1963 is the year, mm-hmm. and Skeeter is begging her mother for air conditioning since it's as hot as it was in the 1800s, to no avail. Okay. So, Skeeter remembers the night she slept on the porch since it was too hot in her room, and Constantine used to sing her to sleep. Mm-hmm. Now she sits next to her cot in 100 degrees, and kill me if that ever happens, uh, thinking about the fact that many stories are done, uh, knowing that Aveline told her Eula May, Hilly's maid, may help. 
Mm -hmm. Uh, But she then caught sight of one of her father's workers reading the paper, how a school teacher had been hung and cattle branded just for talking. Oh. I know. It's, ugh. Fuck ugh. racists, man. Fuck racism. Fuck racism. Yeah. Bullshit. <laughs> Sorry for that sound. Um, <laughs> that came in crystal clear. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay, so she felt ridiculous thinking that she would have easily gotten, like, maids to speak to her. Mm-hmm. And then she goes inside to be surprised by Stuart. Uh, Stuart was the guy who was an ass, and then they liked each other, and then they dated again. Ah, okay. Yeah. Thank and you. Hilly's husband's cousin. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, he has to have a meeting by the coast. Uh, she offers to go with to share a room together. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, like, super tempted with, like, no, <laughs> I shouldn't. <laughs> so he tries to convince her again, but she's like, no using her mother for an excuse, mm-hmm. rightfully so. And he understands that invites his family, her family, to meet his. Oh. Mind you, his father is a senator of Mississippi. Okay. Yeah. I can see how this would not go well. Fuck. So she sputters for a moment, then he leaves for the coast. She was mortified. Okay. Like, worried about what her mother may say to the senator. Um, three days pass, and he comes back to see her. Mm-hmm. She kind of thinks about all the frilly things of first love as he waits for her to, her mother, to go to bed, mm-hmm. since he got back a little late. Um, she does, and he kisses her, but she stops him before she's ready, and asks about his previous relationship, because why don't we bring that up every time we make out? well but really she needs to know why it ended the way it did Mm -hmm. right so he skirted around it and only revealed that his mother and her and her family know why it ended Mm -hmm. um his father only knows like partial truth and skater's like okay I, I need to know what she did so I can't repeat it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is our first relationship ever. And she yeah. doesn't want to fuck up. Um, but he says she would never do what she did and it was unforgivable. Mm-hmm. So the next morning, Skeeter has her breakfast and her mother takes her shopping, much to her dismay. <laughs> I wouldn't, I, I love shopping with my mother, but I legitimately would not want to go shopping with Skeeter's mother. Don't put me in a dress. Just don't put me in a dress. Yeah. I'd like to wear pants all day long. But then not. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) He's looking at me like blank eyes. (laughs) (laughs) You're calling me out there. What? I was saying I don't want to wear pants. But Tyler doesn't like wearing pants. Anyway. (laughs) That's the fun of this. Anyway, so luckily they had just announced the release of Valium. Valium? Valium had just come out, uh, which she was like, I definitely like five of those right now. (laughs) So her maid comes up and mentions Yula May May, uh, about her stories, Mm -hmm. confirming that she was her cousin and that she definitely is going to help her. So Skeeter's like, do you want to help us too? But... 
only of her other families, not like her own, you know? Mm -hmm. So she explained that she wasn't a maid before, and she took this because nobody else would work for her, not after Constantine. Mm -hmm. But that's where her conversation just, like, abruptly ends. Okay. So shopping comes and goes, and it's not that bad after hearing good news. Uh, she wants to call Abilene, but Elizabeth answers. Then she calls Abilene as soon as she could, after job is done, mm -hmm. telling her the good news. Unfortunately, Yula May no longer works for Hilly. Nobody knows where she is. Mm. She couldn't even get an answer from Hilly, which made her nervous and confused. So oh. the, <laughs> it's like, oh, no, don't know where she is now, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so the next day, Skeeter was watching the new news, getting nervous about that night, waiting for fresh ice cream to be finished. Apparently, her maid called in that she'd be late and when she finally walks in. Mm -hmm. She looks somber and gives her and gives Skeeter an envelope. Okay. It's an apology letter from Yula May saying that Hilly was a terrible boss, but she wanted to quit, with only the fear of her never getting another job being her only reason she didn't. Oh. Then she explains that her twin sons were about to go to college. She was short to put them through and stole from Hilly to make up for it. Oh. For all the horrible things that Hilly put her through. But she got caught. Now, in the she's in the penitentiary, and neither of her sons are going to college now. Yeah. And it sucks because she asks... Hilly for a loan, and Lily's like, it's the Christian thing to not give you a loan. Mm -hmm. Go fuck yourself, Holly. Anyway, <laughs> so Skater was disappointed, wishing she could do more for ULMA, but Hilly already pushed for four years in comparison to the six months for petty stealing. It, it was awful. So that night, Skater heads to Abilene's, uh, seeing it packed with people. Okay. Learning that Eula May had asked for a loan from Hilly since she was only short $75. Oh. But Hilly said it was the Christian thing to let her sort it out herself. Of course. That makes sense. I got ahead of myself. Sorry, guys. Um, so these beautiful people were there to help out Eula May. They already set up a fund for lawyer fees. Then people began to file out one by one. Mm -hmm. But not before quite a few other maids decided then and there to help with her story. Stories. Ooh. Eleven total. Oh. Thanks to Minnie. Woo! So a while later, Skeeter finally gets together with some other women for Bridge. Hilly, of course, talking about Eula May's thievery and the way Hilly does. Mm -hmm. With embellishments. Pissing off Skeeter. <laughs> um, so time goes by again, and she begins her interviews. One by one, you get to learn about some of the maid's stories, but one brings it up that she's worried what happened Will, like what will happen when it gets published mm -hmm. and they figure out it's their maids you know yeah uh so abeling columns are down but then confirms to skeeter that a white woman would do much worse than a white man so the next day skeeter's mother stops her from leaving but she skirts around the truth <laughs> again so her mother hasn't been feeling well and she was worried she's been heading to abeling's house every night interviewing a different maid a night so she was rocked for the first time when Yula May's cousin decided to put her story in, but it leaves them in silence. Mm -hmm. Because she accused Skeeter of wanting to make money off black people and laughed in her face. Oh. Yeah. Then she tells Skeeter that all the women she's already interviewed all hate her. 
that they will never actually tell her the truth, and Abelene kicked her out of the house because she was way too cruel, and it was really unwarranted. Mm-hmm. So Skeeter gets her last story. She gathers all the envelopes with the payment for the maids that she saved up. All but one wanted the money to go to Eula May's boys' education. Mm-hmm. So now it's time for the family dinner with Stuart's family. Okay. It was weird. <laughs> so the senator was, like, loud and huggy. Oh. And they had to wait for Stuart. And her mother brought up their home, and then they brought up the ex. <laughs> oh, of course. And they asked Skeeter about her writing, and her mother interrupted with her own distraction. <sighs> so finally, Stuart showed up. Uh, dinner began after a small tour and a few awkward moments bringing up the ex again. Of course. You know, because that's what you should do when you're meeting your yeah. son's family for the first time. Duh. Bring up his ex. Um, but then the senator brings up a race measure. Her father saying that it's a shame that black folks are treated horribly. The Time magazine paper the time before that, the recent one, where someone got lynched for saying that the Mississippi governor was, well, pathetic. Mm. Yeah. So Stewart's father was shocked by her father's words, but he was wondering himself if it's true. If the man is pathetic. Okay. Awkward. So after the yeah. after dinner, Stuart seemed off. Uh, talk of his ex and politics, of course, and she excuses herself to the restroom. And afterwards, she finds herself alone with the drunk senator, mm. who is talking again about the ex. So distracted by their dog, and <laughs> then whisked her away to talk about her again, the ex. Oh. Yeah, he's he's drunk, okay? It's very weird. This doesn't sound not weird. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, sorry. No, I know. It's weird. What the fuck was that? <laughs> I, I don't know. One of my headphone things just blew out, and I, like, can't hear out of this side. Oh, that's good. Yeah, it's great. We're blowing out headphones, guys. That's not literally what we want to do. Anyway... <laughs> Yeah. So after a bit of worry, he explains that he's just concerned for his son, right? Mm-hmm. He wants to know if he's all right, since he can't even speak about this whole fiasco to her, much less himself. She realizes that she doesn't know Stuart, not at all. But then he lets her go to meet the rest of the family, asking if she and Stuart could talk. Mm-hmm. So she brings up the conversation between his father and her, and but then he let it out. Zex cheated on him. With an activist, someone who is there for civil rights. Okay. So he knew he could have forgiven her, but couldn't take her back because of his father. Mm-hmm. So his father isn't a bad man. He just has to play along with what Mississippi wants. If we're being honest, that makes you a bad man. Mm-hmm. Um, so she asked if he was still in love with her when he suggested that they take a break. Then she gets called to go home. Okay. So... Their families just meet and they break up. Are you kidding me? Uh, fucking Skeeter. Yeah. <laughs> Having like the worst time ever. <laughs> so the next day they finally get air conditioning in the house. Like fuck. Um, but it killed the current if you mm-hmm. put it on high. So they fixed it and they finally got to enjoy cool air in the house. Mm-hmm. Thank God. Um, 
So time goes by, and she focused hard on the interviews, writing everything that she had down. Uh, Skeeter's mother finally asked, after three weeks, why Stuart hasn't called. Okay. She didn't tell her mom. <laughs> so she snaps a little bit, and she noticed that her mother has been growing thinner and thinner. Ooh. Time goes by again, drowning herself in her work, her mother not getting any better. When she brings up asking, <laughs> her mom asked uh, Stuart's family to come over on the 25th. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't have the heart to tell you we've broken up, so... You know, sure, Ma. I'll, I'll tell them. I'll ask. <laughs> Skeeter. Well, Skeeter. I know. So August has come, right? And with Abilene's help, five chapters have been arranged. Mm-hmm. She still has five to go through, and though the deadline is in January, she's feeling the pressure. They have their fake names, including Skeeter's, and the town is called Niceville, Mississippi. So the maids also put pressure on her because they want this to be published so bad, hoping Elaine Stein will do so once she gets it, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, A league meeting forms for the first time in a month. It comes and goes, and she tried to bail, but Elizabeth called over and explained that she heard that Stuart and her broke up. Oh. Yeah. Uh, She was actually nice about it, but before she could escape, Hilly called her over about that stupid initiative again. If you don't remember, racist initiative. Yeah. Um, so Skater's finally like a hard pass. <laughs> like, I'll call up the league my head myself if you attempt to get rid of me. When Hilly says, it's no wonder Stuart dropped you. Damn. I know. Skater's like pissed and she's like, give me my law books back. And then she bailed. So she went home, goes numb. And she begins to type up the initiative, wondering what Constantine would think of her. Mm-hmm. On this day, it, it's like, that's where Skeeter's part ends. It's it's just like, I wonder what Constantine would be thinking of me writing this initiative right now. Mm-hmm. Okay. So on this day, May Mobley has woken up by Abilene, asking her how old she is. Today, she is three. And it's all about her. So she gets a special present, a special breakfast. Uh, we also get to learn that Abilene's birthday is the following week. So that's pretty cool. Does it say date on that? Or? Nope. Okay. Well, <laughs> August, one week, following week. So she's an August baby. Cool. So Mabel Bobley asks about her own kids, and she says every kid she's tended to counts as her own. But she has a lot to do for the birthday party that night. Mm-hmm. And May Mobley is playing with her new doll, and she says, Avi, you're my real mama. <laughs> Heartbroken. Oh. <laughs> it's like, you know how bad your mother has to treat you to make you... It's not that Abilene couldn't be her mother. It's that her real mother is just that neglectful. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so Abilene had to correct her, but... Mae Mobley was adamant. So she then tells us about a time she had a child who was actually gay. Oh. He was beaten for it, and she wished that she could say more kind things to him. When Elizabeth got home, Mae Mobley asked Abilene to not tell her what her mom was, she said. Mm-hmm. Uh, because she knew she would get spanked for it. By spanking, she means whipping, but, like, you know. Mm-hmm. So... Skater came over to help El- to give Elizabeth some papers, them figuring that they would finish up one of the maid's stories. Um, 
Then Skeeter said that she would be gone from Monday through Thursday. Monday morning rolls around. Hilly calls pissed. Oh, good. Saying that she was going to kill Skeeter. <laughs> because she specifically said to drop off old coats to her house for the initiative. Old coats. Okay. So Elizabeth rushes off, and Abilene and Mabel walk over casually to find that Hilly's lawn is covered with toilets. <laughs> yeah, sure. So people were actually driving by and laughing. 32 commodes cover her property. Okay. Then May Mobley decided to pee in one of the toilets. So Abilene's like, okay, let's go home before <laughs> you get in trouble, right? Yeah. So... Elizabeth rushed home, and Aveline got the whole story. Mm -hmm. Skeeter put in the the initiative in, all right. But below the coat drive was changed to commode drive. So Hilly even made the Jackson Journal and the New York Times. That's the name of the episode, commode drive. <laughs> the commode drive. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So... Thursday came by, and Hilly was at Elizabeth's house talking mm -hmm. about the fact that Skeeter had her had laws in her bag. Blah, blah, blah. You know, she wants to change the laws and all that. Uh, Hilly getting more and more racist as she spoke, and it's frustrating to listen to. Mm -hmm. So Hilly even mentioned that she kicked Skeeter out of Bridge Club, but not out of the league, because she wants her to stew. That. Then they go on about how there's actual racists around, and they're not so bad. No, they, they're bad. They have diseases. <laughs> Fuck you, Hilly. I'm just going to tell you, racists are just bad. Yeah. yeah. All kinds of racism is bad. Yes. Hilly's the worst. Yeah, she's fine. You know, she, she's not that bad. <laughs> so then they left the house together. Okay. Later, Mr. Leifold came home and actually addresses Abilene, mm -hmm. asking if she'd stay on... Excuse me. Whoa, hiccup. Um, asking if she'd stay on for the new baby. Mm -hmm. Getting to know her better. And she was, like, super nervous about him talking to her like this. So, casually. Uh, then he brings up Skeeter and tells her to never see her again. And he means it. Mm -hmm. But that was that. That was the only reason he spoke to her. Mm -hmm. That night, Skeeter came over. <laughs> so Minnie left super quick, and Abilene told her everything Hilly said about her. Skeeter brushed it off and let it slide, though she didn't seem like she meant it. Um, the summer rolls by, and Abilene gets to see Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. get to speak at the Capitol about how he has a dream. At Bridge... Hilly went on about how she used the commodes, after all, oh. for her initiative. Uh, even wrote a thank you note to Skeeter about it. Yeah, so she took those toilets and repurposed them so that they could use them in these spare bathrooms. Fucking hell. Angry. Sorry. That was a dead air. I was just... Yeah. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, she was reeling. Ugh. So, later, Abilene and May Mobley share another secret story that she makes up. Uh, these stories are always filled with lessons about how you look on the outside doesn't matter, and it's always very sweet. Mm -hmm. 
So Abelin goes to explain how the bridge club has changed. Uh, Elizabeth, being more snippy, said she's uh, three days late giving birth to her child. When the doorbell rings, mm-hmm. it's Celia Foot. <laughs> Abelene can't ignore her since the bridge tables are up, and Elizabeth comes forward and greets her, offering her assistance with the ch- children's benefit. Hilly says no, but <laughs> invites her, giving her extra tickets to offer to her friends. Mm-hmm. She doesn't have any friends. Mm. It's a bitch move. Yeah. It's a true bitch move. Yeah, I'm not a fan. Uh, but then lets it slip that minis are made. Yeah. Yikes, a Rooney. Especially that Elizabeth recommended her. Mm-hmm. Uh, Abelene leaves to get the salad re- ready, and then she comes back, and Hilly has a look with a vengeance, mm-hmm. wondering who is the one that suggested Minnie. Mm-hmm. Minnie, unfortunately, got the news from Abelene about the fact that Celia visited the new with the news of Minnie being her maid. So Celia rushes home and, as friendly as can be, lets her off, uh, like, lets her off work and pretending the charade that about Johnny is still going, you know? Yeah. Um, I, I worded this weird and I don't know why, and now my brain stopped. <laughs> Though everyone knows about everything except for, like, one part, mm-hmm. you know? She just hasn't told Johnny that she knows. Um... So Minnie is also worried that it will get out what she did to Hilly about the fact that she called her a thief. Mm-hmm. Um, fortunately for Abilene, Hilly thinks that Minnie just lied to Celia about being recommended, and the next day, Minnie is working as usual, and Celia is out shopping for a dress for the benefit when she gets a call from Hilly looking for Celia. Mm-hmm. Minnie uses her sister's name and that Celia isn't there when she comes rushing in five minutes later. Three days later, Minnie was hiding her face in the fridge. Okay, we just skipped ahead. Just ignored the fact that Hilly called and she was just like, no, she doesn't work. I don't know who you're talking about. <laughs> I'm not her. I don't know who you're talking about. No. Anyway, no, so, so three days later, right? Mm-hmm. Minnie is hiding her face in the fridge, uh, coming in early since she has bruises and a cut on her face. And Celia notices and starts fussing over her. Okay. Apparently, Leroy beat her while he was sober. Ooh. Yeah. And she didn't say anything. Celia was adamant about taking care of her for the day. Then Celia explained that they needed to call the police. Not for her, but because there was a naked man in their yard. <laughs> yeah. You, all right. Things, es- like, it went from, like, 30 to 100, like, real quick. Yeah. So he's literally um taking care of himself. He's jacking it while he's looking at these two women. Okay, I can't I, I tried to be nice. He he is literally completely bare ass naked and giving himself some work and staring at these two women and they're like, What the hell? He's having a little fireman time. It gets gross, a little, okay. A little five on one. He asks them if you want they want pecker pie. <laughs> so Celia's like, call the cops, but they're in the middle of nowhere, right? <laughs> Y'all want some pecker pie? <laughs> so bad. So they're like, that in is the sexual of assault, nowhere. everyone. It is, it is. But the fact that he just showed up out of nowhere is really fucking weird. How you doing? Nope. 
It gets weird. <laughs> so they rush to lock all the doors just in time, but he smashed in the window. And Minnie is like, I have to make a choice. So she grabs Johnny's hunting knife and goes after the man. Good. Pocketing it and then taking a broom with her. <laughs> She's just like chasing him with a broom. A naked man. Yep. Wait, did he climb through the window? No. Okay. He, he literally just busted the window open and freaked them out. He's still standing outside of doing whatever. Um, so she chased after him. The knife slipped from her pocket and she got hit again. Like, he punched her. Oh. Square in the face. Mm. So Celia stood close to Minnie and she started holding... She was holding a fire poker, right? Nice. The man taunts both of them, then Celia smacks the ever-loving shit out of him, protecting Minnie. Good. So Celia keeps smacking him even as he's down, and Minnie had to stop her from killing him. So the guy got up and just wobbled away. He didn't Mm -hmm. say anything else after that. He was just gone. Fuck are his clothes? (laughs) He just... Some homeless dude just decided to make an appearance. (laughs) So... Celia's only concern was for Minnie, which is really crazy. Mm -hmm. And Minnie was like, you're real calm during all of this. And she was like, you seemed uh, mighty sure of yourself. And Celia was like, I used to be a fighter. (laughs) What? (laughs) She she used to be a fighter! (laughs) This very ditzy, innocent Marilyn Monroe-looking woman Mm -hmm. used to beat the shit out of people and give zero fucks. Way to go, sugar ditch. Anyway, (laughs) so they got cleaned up and Celia spoke to the police. Uh, Minnie decided that she was going to go home and even ignored Abilene on her way home. Oh. Abilene dropped by and was like, you ignored me? And then she saw it. Abilene and her went back to Abilene's house. So she she was like, all right, you're coming home with me. Mm -hmm. Then talked about Minnie's day. And Abilene was like, sounds like you, uh, care about Celia. And Minnie's like, there are lines that we do not cross. And Abilene's like, I used to think that too, but I was wrong. Mm -hmm. Uh, So Minnie had to think about that. And since she wanted desperately to tell Celia about the truth about Hilly, she decided she would. Mm -hmm. (laughs) She also decided to go to the benefit with Celia. So she decided to head back home and go home with her head high. After that kind of day, I would have not done that. But, you know, good on you, Minnie. Yeah. So the weather got cool, and Minnie got her mind off her troubles, thinking about all the things she needed to do before the benefit. And Celia was fussing with her hair and her bright bright, bright pink dress for the benefit. He's laughing at my fuck up. Um, Then Minnie brought up the possibility of befriending Skeeter. Okay. You know? Mm-hmm. And Minnie was like, you know, like, don't ignore Skeeter. It's, like, super hypocritical of you to do that because other people are doing that now, right? Mm-hmm. Since that's what Hilly did to her. Then Minnie gave her the truth of why Hilly may still hate her, right? Though it's been years, uh, Celia allowed it to click that she's like, oh, you hate me for something I didn't do, mm-hmm. you know? Like, and she's like, you know what? I'm going to tell Hilly that we weren't going together, like, we weren't going out together before you guys broke up. And <laughs> Minnie's like, that's 
No. All right. <laughs> no. <laughs> it's a terrible idea, but sure. No, it's fine, I'm sure. So, that Friday, Minnie worked hard. Celia was busy messing up her room, getting ready. Uh, when she stepped out, she was in a tight, hot pink dress with silver sequins all over her. High slit on the skirt. Ooh. Minnie tried to finally be honest with her, but Celia interrupted being like, You want to tell me? <laughs> you want me to tell Haley you said hi? No. I really don't. And Minnie's like, All hope is lost. <laughs> so the benefit has come, and it's really interesting because they changed perspectives in this book. Yes. The scene is set, and this is from the author's perspective. Right. Knowing that it begins at 7 p.m. and this is essentially Hilly's night. So the author explains that the most everyone is going to be dressed is modestly, Mm -hmm. except for Celia. Uh, She shows up late and all eyes are on her. Well, all the men's. Uh, Then five seconds later, the moment is over. Hilly finally seeing Celia. So, Celia grew self-conscious of herself, asking Johnny if she was overdressed. Overdressed. Was she overdressed? Okay, low cut, top and bottom. Oh, with the high... With a high slit. Like, how high are we talking? I'm talking, like, like mid-thigh. Mid-thigh. In the 60s, when everybody else is being modest. Super... In a hot pink dress! Ooh, girl! She was like, I can do this. Fuck yeah, go. I am... I'm all for it. Yeah. So. Women better empower yourselves. <laughs> yeah. So he's like, you're beautiful. And he excuses himself to get some drinks. And she gets left alone. <laughs> like, literally no one is talking to her. And she tries to be polite, but nobody is saying anything. Oh. Then the dining room opens. Okay. So everyone is all giddy. I don't know. So <laughs> Skeeter is alone as Celia is. Uh, but she's sitting... She's sitting alone, you know? Mm -hmm. So she watched as Celia approached Elizabeth, realizing who she was surrounded by, and she, like, goes into a fake cough fit and gets away. (laughs) Nice. Then Hilly begins her speech. Cringy per usual. Okay, good. Uh, Of course, she had to point out Skeeter. Yeah, of course. But Skeeter didn't give a shit. She didn't move. She's like, I don't give a fuck. And Hilly goes on being Hilly. Of course. (laughs) Wouldn't expect anything less. You know what sucks? We all know one. We all know one like her. I'm not that bad. I want to shoot you, but, you know. <laughs> d <Indie> club. <laughs> we'll tell that story later. Yeah. So the party continues, and Celia is upset about the things Hilly said, excluding Celia again. So she decided to try and get to Hilly, only to have Hilly slip around her and beeline towards Johnny. Uh, Hilly asking where Celia is, mm. not... Oh, not serving hot dogs at the LSU game, right? Because that's how they met. Mm. How fucking rude of her, you know? Mm-hmm. Johnny, like, shut it down. Good. And Celia came towards him, and he was, like, super relieved. He just wanted to go home. Yeah, <laughs> fair enough. So Johnny realized that Celia might be tipsy because she hadn't eaten anything. Um, and was drinking a lot. And then the winners of the silent auctions were announced. Hilly winning Minnie's chocolate pudding pie, which Hilly was super surprised because she never bids for anything, mm-hmm. ever. 
And Celia's like, oh, congrats. I didn't know you were a fan of, Millie, of Minnie's pies. Um, so Hilly tried to escape, but Celia held on and accidentally ripped her dress at the wrist. Um, Hilly going off about Minnie telling her about something, but Celia was only talking about the reason that she thought she hated her. Mm-hmm. It was like, literally, they were yelling two different things at each other. And she was confused. Yeah. Then she bust out about getting pregnant after they broke up. In the middle of this room. All right. So Celia apologized. Uh, Hilly got close and told her that if Minnie said anything about that pie, that she will never get in the league. Oh, damn. Yeah. Celia being confused and drunk, upset that Hilly blamed her for something she didn't do. Of course. She vomited. All over. Nice. Yeah. It's really embarrassing. So Hilly ruined Celia in a moment. Saying that she's a liar about the pregnancy, that she's a drunk. It's really sad. Um, and then the benefit wrapped up. Okay. Hilly's mother coming up to her mentioning the pie and that she bought it specifically for her. Because mm-hmm. she will never forget what happened. I'm so happy. <laughs> <laughs> but also really sad for Celia. So the next day, Minnie got a call from Johnny asking if you could keep an if she could keep an eye on Celia, right? Mm-hmm. After what happened the night before, she wasn't doing so good. And after she hung up, her daughter made fun of Celia, but she shut her up quick. She's like, "You don't say shit about Miss Celia, right?" Mm-hmm. So the next couple of days, Celia is sitting in bed and doing nothing, just moping. Then one day, Minnie finds a letter from Hilly in the mail. That woman had the audacity to send a note demanding that she send a $200 contribution to the league and refrain from trying to even think about helping them since she's on a probationary list. Okay, mm-hmm. thanks, bitch. <laughs> After a call from Johnny trying to check in, Celia cried about her never being able to fit in. Then she got more upset, explaining that Hilly accused her of signing her up for and winning that pot. Celia then decided that she was going to go back to Sugar Ditch, and Minnie is like, I gotta tell you something. Fair enough. Uh, so she told her it was her fault that Hilly blew up at her, so she tells her. She was afraid after Hilly sent her mother to the nursing home. Three weeks she was spent looking for work. Nobody wanted her, so she figured it was for her sass, but that's not it. It was because... Hilly made sure everyone knew she was a thief so that nobody else could have Minnie. Mm -hmm. How fucking cruel, right? Extremely. So, (laughs) that she would, like, (laughs) Hilly was like, you should work for me for free. And that's when she did it. She told her to eat her shit. (laughs) So she went home and made a chocolate custard pie with the best things that she had. Then brought it over. Minnie watched her eat two huge slices. Her mother asked for a slice, but Minnie said no. It was hers alone. Then she revealed what was in the pie. Hilly's mother laughed right in her face and reminded her that she could never tell anyone. If you guys aren't sure... It's a shit pie. It's a shit pie. She literally ate shit in a chocolate custard pie. (laughs) Fuck nerd. My... (laughs) favorite part of this entire story not gonna lie so she explained that this was why Hilly pounced and she was sorry it was her fault but she didn't want her to leave because that means Hilly wins mm-hmm. again yeah 
And Celia is shocked. She's literally, like, stunned. And she's like, thank you for telling me that. (laughs) (laughs) Then Minnie left. The next morning, Celia was somewhat back to herself. Um, The day after that, Celia goes out back and finally chops down the goddamn tree that she hates in the rain. Uh, Minnie waits for her to come back in, but she noticed by the note a check for a league. In the note, for two slice hilly. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Fucking clap back, Celia. Well done. Well done. <laughs> so we are back to Skeeter, and this isn't the best thing. It's the day of the Kennedy assassination. A lot of historical events happen in this. Yeah. So two weeks pass, and she locks herself up in her closet and calls Miss Stein. She announced that she will have the book ready for her by January, but Miss Stein is like, no, you need it to me by December 21st. Mm-hmm. It's the 2nd of December. And she needs to add her own story about Constantine. Mm-hmm. So Skeeter tells us that it's been four months since Hilly shut her out of nearly everything, so she's been working on writing. She even recaps the moment that she changed her mind about the initiative writing. Yeah. Then she heads to uh, Abeline's house, telling her the new deadline and how someone needs to tell her about Constantine. Finally. So Abeline agreed, and she promised to write about it and tell her. Mm-hmm. Two days go by, and Skeeter goes to the league meeting, now with the news that the newsletter is going to be monthly. They voted Skeeter out. She is super surprised. She literally lost everything. Damn. All her connections. Because Hilly's a bitch. So she calls home uh, on her drive to find out that Stuart is waiting for her at her home. So she rushed back and is like, what? You know? Mm-hmm. And he's like, I saw my ex. He drove 2,000 miles to see if it was really over for her. And he definitely was like, done. Mm-hmm. Uh, his ex even insulted him. Oh. Um, he asked if he could come back, and she wasn't sure, but he showed up a couple days later anyways. She keeps, like, shooing this guy away, right? <laughs> shoo, shoo. Um, and later that night, she met up with Abelaine and Minnie, and they came up with the, no- the name. They call it Help. Not the help, just help. The next week, Skeeter has been working all morning when Stuart showed up again in front of her mother. Oh. So after he leaves, her mother turned to her and said, Don't let him cheapen you. If he can't see how beautiful and smart you are, you don't need to have him. Best thing that her mother has said to her. Just saying. So next week, she spent writing like a mad woman. Next thing we know, Abelene has a letter ready for her, but she had a warning. Mm -hmm. That Constantine gave up her baby long ago for fear of her living in Mississippi. Then she regretted it. Okay. Okay. Two years ago, she got a letter from her daughter saying that she wanted to meet her. And she was so nervous. She was excited for Skeeter to meet her daughter. Then as Abelene finishes her explanation, she takes the letter and reads it. Finding out what her mother did to Constantine, she couldn't put it in the book, though. Her mother was already degrading, and it wouldn't be right to her. Mm -hmm. Instead, she spoke to her mother honestly, and she needed to hear her side. So she learns that her mother had guests over that day, and Constantine's daughter was walking through the house socializing. Reminder that she is technically a quarter white, but when she was born, she was born very light-skinned. Okay. So 
she was given up because she had a black mother mm-hmm. who was very dark looking and she was worried that she would be insulted growing up. Mm-hmm. And now to Skeeter's mother's horror, she's socializing with the women of her um, women's league too. Mm. Right? Yeah. Um, so she even was like filling out a form to become a member. So her mother pulled her aside, asking her not to socialize with the other women. Naturally, she snapped and her mother told them to leave, telling her to never come back and Constantine's daughters then spit in her face. That's when she snapped, telling Constantine that she wasn't allowed to be associated with her own daughter. They begged for her to stay, but her mother then burst her bubble about why Constantine gave her up for real. It was because she was too white. Constantine then left with her daughter. But it was too late. Okay. She died before she even apologized. Mm. Constantine died. Oh, And she was only in Chicago for three weeks before that happened. Later on, uh, Skeeter went to Abilene's. The book was finally done. So she wanted to show it to them one last time. Minnie and Abilene pointed out, again, what if they get caught, right? And Minnie then told them to put the terrible awful in the book to ensure that Hilly will swear up and down that it isn't Jackson. (laughs) But they had to make that risk. So they did. It gets re- rewritten and mailed the next day, and she called Elaine Stein. Unfortunately, it may not make it in time. So she realized that the doctor was in the house, and so she went home. Mm-hmm. Okay. She realized that the doctor was in the house. He okay. came out of her mother's room and told her finally that her mother has stomach cancer, and she mm-hmm. only has a few months. So Skater walked into her mother's room, her mother being much stronger than it seems, right? Telling her, it's just like, you can't just fall apart because I'm not going to be here. It'll be fine, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, be be good. And that was, good. She's, I hate and love her mother sometimes. Mm-hmm. So time goes by, and there's a lot of sadness in the house. Uh, she fades day after day. Christmas passes, then New Year's Eve comes, and then it's New Year's Day, right? Okay. So she learns from her maid how to make beans. Way to go, Skeeter. Um, Her brother leaves for school again, and her father holds out hope that the medicine is helping her get better, but it's not. So it's just making her feel better, because she couldn't eat even for a little while. Sorry for the sweets. Um, So the first Friday of the new year, she calls Miss Stein, and she had received the manuscript. It's just time to wait. She and Stuart were kind of a thing again, and he confirms he doesn't mind what everyone is saying about her in town, and they went on a date to be able to let Skater take a breather. That's a weird word. Saying. So she even took the time to go to New Orleans to go shopping and get her hair done. However, that night was more than the average date. He proposed. Hello? He proposed. Holy shit. Thank you for the reaction. I'm sorry. Anyway, but she was like, I need to tell you the truth about what's going on in our lives. And, um, and she said yes, of course, but on the terms that he gets to hear this out. Um, he's shocked, of course, 
Mm-hmm. It's like, why would you do something like that? Why stir the pot if things are all right, all right around here? And she's like, I'm not causing trouble. It's already here. And he's like processing. And he doesn't, re- he realized then, just like she did, mm-hmm. he doesn't know her. So, oh. he leaves. Proposal rescinded. Sorry. Mm-hmm. But to be fair, you should never really marry someone you don't know. Honestly. So she went back inside. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So she went back inside, and um, her mother called her over. Skeeter told her he proposed, and her mother's like, yeah, I know. <laughs> then her mother announced that she made a decision. She decided she's not going to die. That was that. She's like, I, I have decided that I'm not going to die. A few days later, Skeeter went to Abelian's house with amazing news. Harper and Roe has decided to publish the book. I'm so stoked for them. And Abelian and Minnie are beyond thrilled. They have an advance of $800 and split 13 ways. That's $61 a person, which is amazing for that time. Mm-hmm. So she barely kept it together herself. Then she told them it would come out in six months, but I honestly would have been geeky as much. I would be like, I got a book published. <laughs> Let's be serious. I would be like, oh my god, this is not real. This is not happening. Oh my god, ankle pops. I'm so sorry. Then uh, kicking the mic cord. Yeah, because <laughs> my legs are numb. <laughs> Welcome to our pod lab. So, <laughs> Abilene goes to work, and she could have sworn this was the hottest day ever. Elizabeth and Abilene are watching the children in the backyard, both of them playing together in the sprinkler. Mind you, the baby's already born. Uh, that Friday is when the book comes out, and she realized that if anyone finds out that she helped with the book, she won't ever see these kids again. Mm-hmm. So, it was bridge day, and she needed to get things together. Both kids come back in, and Abilene speaks to Mae Mobley again, learning that her teacher said, colored kids aren't as smart. But Mae Mobley was like, I don't believe you. I believe Abilene is smarter than her teacher. Okay. Good girl. <laughs> then Friday comes. Skeeter showed up, dropping her box of books at the church. Abilene rushed out and grabbed the box, so happy to see the books, and to get a glimpse of Skeeter because they hadn't seen each other in like six months. Mm-hmm. Beautiful as ever, right? Then she ran to Minnie's house with a book, and Minnie is six months pregnant. All right. Yeah. Uh, she likes being pregnant because that means her husband won't beat her, and I hate that I have to say that, and it makes me sick to think that. Yeah. Anyway, so Minnie plays it off as casually as she typically does. Many, many copies are going through Mississippi just because of the recent occurrences of civil rights movements. Mm-hmm. So more and more time goes by and nothing happens. Yes. No purchases, no borrows, no nothing. Then Skeeter called. Their book is going to be on TV. Oh, shit. Another week goes by. Abilene and Minnie walk together to church. Her oldest daughter was taking time learning about Celia and planning for when Minnie had the baby. Mm -hmm. And they go to church and everyone applauded them. Okay. Everyone had a copy of the book and it was a really touching moment. They signed a copy for Aveline and one for Skeeter Mm -hmm. to say thank you for getting their stories out. Like, tears. (laughs) So, Saturday came, and Aveline was ready to get ready for the TV special with the book. When Elizabeth came rushing in, 
Uh, um, excited to see that her sorority sister was doing the book review. <laughs> so the woman said, don't read it. And the male host said, do read it. And then Elizabeth left to go and get the book herself. Fair enough. So Minnie saw the same thing on her side of town since they already said it was about Jackson, though it doesn't say so. She shut off the TV, wondering if Hilly was going to start swearing that it's not about Jackson, right? So Celia was in the backyard with her new helper, planting a whole new garden in her nicest clothes. But then Abeling called, worried. Overnight, the whole town was reading the book. Fair enough. That would make me nervous, too, honestly. Yeah. I would have been like, no, no. Don't read it, please. No. (laughs) So Minnie went to work the next morning, Celia and Johnny sitting at the table together. Apparently, the doctor had told Celia that she won't ever have children mm-hmm. like she's completely incapable of it uh later minnie is home she seems scattered waiting for hilly to freak out leroy held on to her too hard asking what she was distracted by but she's like nothing nothing at all <laughs> so abeline was at work hilly over at elizabeth starting to suspect that it's about jackson wanting to figure out who all the maids were they were scared and everything was finally moving into motion. Mm-hmm. So maids are being talked about, and Minnie and Abeline are praying that Hilly got to that end part. They're just like, just get to it, please. Well, it turns out that Hilly had gotten to work too, telling women to fire their maids left and right. Mm-hmm. Minnie's husband is also on her tail. Okay. So she doesn't understand why she stays with him, since he's such an abusive dick. The next night, Minnie finally heard it, Hilly's scream. Oh. Everyone heard it across town. Even Skeeter heard it, apparently. Oh, shit. Uh, she had also had it with Mississippi. She decided to apply to many papers outside of the state, specifically New York. So Skeeter's mother had been getting surprisingly better. Mm-hmm. While Hilly's rage was getting worse. <laughs> Interestingly, Interestingly enough, while on a trip to pick up her mother's stuff, one of the women came to speak to her which was abnormal. Mm -hmm. Um, So Luann, the woman earlier who replaced Skeeter, Mm -hmm. finally explained that Hilly has been telling everyone that Skeeter had been the one writing it. So she goes on to say her maid is the only person who gets her out of bed. Uh, Doctors want want to send her to an asylum, Mm. Luann, to an asylum because she has severe depression. Um, And her husband's of no help. So it's so sweet to hear that she's been super grateful. And uh, her maid is the one whose grandson got blinded. And Pi, uh, <laughs> Hilly, suddenly changing her tone and Skeeter relaxing. <laughs> <laughs> so after she made it home, she realized all of the good that this book had really done, right? She then checked the mail where she had a letter from Harper and Row. When she sees a car drive up quickly to the house, yes. it's Hilly. She's a... Wreck. She gained weight. She has a sore on her lip. Her hair is all a fucking mess. So Hilly tried to go into a huge rant about Skeeter going to jail, and she's like, you can't prove anything. <laughs> and she's like, interestingly enough, Skeeter's like, how are we ever friends? <laughs> like, really? Fair enough, you know. So Hilly goes <laughs> on about how she was there to tell her mother about it. She starts to walk into the house. Stopping Hilly in her tracks, true to her nature, her mother tore into her appearance. Like, she literally just came in. She's like, Hilly, what are you doing here? 
And then she leaves in her own graceful fashion. Oh, so she literally goes, Hilly, you're a wreck. Why why did you leave your house looking that way? Oh. Oh my gosh. And what's that on your lip? Oh my god. It's so great. Wow. And Hilly's like, I didn't have time to get dressed. And then she leaves like super quick and she's like, I'll get you to Skeeter. Mm-hmm. But Skeeter is like, you know, you got to watch out with the pies that you've been eating. <laughs> and Hilly's like, I'm still promising my revenge. So she left and Skeeter called Abilene immediately. First about the bad news, but then about the good news. She got a job in New York. Hey. Skeeter doesn't want to take it. And Abilene's like, your life is so bad here and you don't need to stay. Go. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. And... <laughs> At first, Skeeter was like, I don't know. And then Minnie took over the phone, and she's like, get the job. Jackson doesn't need you. Okay? Bye. (laughs) So, Aveline is at work again, right? Polishing the silver, counting and recounting, because it was Hilly's silver. Showing up, (laughs) Hilly showing up again is like, it's not Jackson! All over and over again. (laughs) She's getting meaner, and it's making Aveline really jumpy, even outside of work. But it seems some things are changing. Um, some bosses are getting nicer, but it's not evenly weighed. Mm-hmm. Many, however, is weirdly calm about this. Not really, but like still. Um, the next day, Abilene is back at work. Everyone is home. She's done with all her work. Uh, they're watching Mae Mobley play with her little brother, uh, her secret stories. Uh-huh. Telling him he's at the Woolworth counter and he can't move no matter what he does. Abilene is horrified. He is, she's playing this in front of her father. Oh. So they finish and her father is like, who taught you those games? And she's like, my teacher. (laughs) So he demands that her teacher be changed. So the next day, Elizabeth does just that. Abilene polishing the silver and asking her to take it to Hilly's when done. She does that and gets Hilly's made right before Hilly came rushing in. So she gets, she hands off the silver and leaves. Mm-hmm. That night, a crazy storm came blowing in. Someone knocking on Abilene's door. It's Skeeter. Mm-hmm. She's so happy to see her in person and gives her a hug. It's been six months and Skeeter had amazing news. They were going to do a second print of the book. Um, 5,000 more copies. Cool. Yeah. Then she told her she quit her Miss Myrna job and gave her to Abilene. And the job editor, the editor agreed. He was like, oh. absolutely. She was doing great. So Abilene was extremely grateful and she gave Skeeter the signed book from the church and asked if it's really okay that she's leaving, you know? Mm-hmm. Abilene was like, yes. Go see Chicago, visit Constantine, and then live your Fucking life. Fucking go. Get out. (laughs) So Abilene was so happy laying in bed. Time goes by and she's appreciated Minnie, you know, for sacrificing herself like this. Mm -hmm. She's happy knowing that Hilly is coming apart. And the next morning, Minnie called bright and early. Leroy lost his job because of Hilly. And he was literally about to kill her because of it. So Minnie managed to run to the gas station. Hey. She left her she left her kids with the neighbor and she bailed. Smart. Then Abilene told her maybe it's time to leave and go to Celia's. Like, you don't need to get hit by Leroy anymore. You're free. 
You know, you have money, you're good. Mm-hmm. She begged her to finally leave, and Minnie took a moment, gathered herself. Her sister showed up because she called her first, and she seems to get back. So Abilene got to work, and she's greeted by Elizabeth and Hilly, blaming Abilene for stealing three pieces of silver. Oh. It's obvious that she wants to blame her for this, and that Hilly wants Abilene gone. And Elizabeth isn't even saying anything. She's not even making eye contact. She's just looking away. Oh, good. Um, so Abilene and Elizabeth both agree that she doesn't have the silver. The kids wake up as Hilly fires Abilene on the spot. Elizabeth leaves, but Hilly spills her plot. And Abilene stops her and interrupts her, mm-hmm. reminding her that she knows something about her, reminding her that she can write to Jackson about her. And Hilly's like, no one will believe you. Been told she's a pretty good writer. Sold a lot of books. Anyway, so Mae Mobley runs out trying to catch Abilene. Both kids greet her happily. Mm-hmm. She got Mae Mobley some medicine because she had a fever. Then she tells her that it's about time that she leaves. May Mobley's crying, and Abilene is about to break. She explained that, sorry, <laughs> she didn't want to, have to leave, but it's time for her to retire, that she's her last little girl. Oh. Abilene then, sorry guys, <laughs> then reminds May Mobley of the things that she told her. That she's kind, she is smart, and she is important. Oh. And Abilene breaks, giving her a hug. She thanks her for everything. Uh, Elizabeth then says it's time to go, and Hilly drops the fact that she was pressing charges. <laughs> yeah, she was going to press charges for theft, and she was like, you don't have the proof, so. Nice. Then she leaves the house, listening to May Mobley sob and scream for her. <laughs> I'm so sad about this, but she's like, I finally feel free for the first time ever, wondering what she's going to do for the rest of her life. Since she's going to get paid by the paper and money from the book, But she decided that she should keep writing. She's not too old to start over, and she's not done with starting something new. And that's the end. Nice. Oh, God. I got really sad because I remember how, like, how emotional it was for her to say goodbye to this Mm -hmm. little girl that she loves so much. Yeah. But overall, this book, though I know it dragged at the beginning, the first half was a lot of information to take in. I'm going to give it a nine. Okay. Solid nine. Um, actually, I'll give it a nine and a half. Ooh. Because it is one of those books that opens your eyes to a lot of things that are still happening. And it's it's just, it's a beautiful story. Yeah, and it is. I love it so much. Um, so, yeah, nine and a half out of ten. Nice. Here we go. There we go. Woo! We had a little bit of a technical difficulty trying to get this started, but we're fine. Nikki's the, another half of this idiot. <laughs> yeah, I'm stupid sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> so, now to uh, turn from a very emotional and great story t- onto a game. I don't cry a lot. <laughs> so, yes, I'm excited for you. I feel like you've cried game. multiple times on this podcast. I choke up more than I do yeah, cry. Yeah, true. No tears have left my eyes. <laughs> Notice they are dry. <laughs> yes. Okay, so, uh, before I get into, uh, the game, gaming news, of course, Call of Duty Cold War. Black Ops Cold War yes! was released yesterday when this came out, so Friday. I have been playing it a little bit. Yep. It's great. I love it. And we have, actually, I know two people, three people, who worked on this game. Yeah. So I am super thrilled. Shout out to you, Daniel. 
and Tyler. Other Tyler. Not me. On Loft. I'm Ty. Hi, guy. <laughs> if you see those two names on there, I've known both of them for a couple years now. Mm-hmm. Actually, I've known um, other Tyler since I was in school. But yeah. congrats, guys. Yeah. Like, Major release. Very good looking well done. game. I wish I had uh, sound effects so I'd do like an applause thing. Yeah. There we there go. go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Time to get on to the game. I'm going to preface this by saying I was going to report on a different game, but I wasn't feeling it, so I chose a game I absolutely love. I asked him the question, what game have you played time and time again and know like the back of your hand so well that you do not need to replay it to know it? Yeah, and that game being Halo 3 ODST. Heck yeah. The original release date for this game was September 22nd, 2009. Oh wow, that's my half birthday. Yeah. Cool. So I'm uh, I am sorry I was planning on doing a newer game, but we're doing an older-ish game. And we'll do it later. <laughs> yeah. So the genre for this game is a first-person shooter. Mm-hmm. The developer is Bungie, so we're going back to when Bungie created Halo games. Okay. And the publisher, Microsoft Game Studio. Ooh. The systems that this was released on, uh, Xbox 360 was when it originally came out. Cool thing is. This game came with a, uh, there was two discs that came in this thing, in the, uh, when you bought the case. It was Halo 3 ODST, and then the Mythic multiplayer for Halo 3. So when you put in that disc for Halo 3, you had all the maps and all that stuff. Okay. But then the other disc was just ODST. And, uh, to go along with systems, it also came out for Xbox One. Windows, and apparently it's going to be released on the Xbox Series X and S. Cool. So, that is all cool. This game only won one award, the VES Award for Outstanding Visual Effects in a Video Game Trailer. Cool. Yeah, because the trailer, beautiful. (laughs) (laughs) So, the setting, this does come from the fandom site that we will, of course, include in the show notes. Always. Taking place in the Kenyan port city of New Mombasa, ODST follows a squad of elite marine orbital drop shock troopers, that's what ODST stands for, during the Covenant invasion of Earth on October 20th, 2552. The game occurs directly after the events of Halo 2 level Metropolis when the Prophet of Regret performs a slip space jump in New Mombasa. Oh. Which I explained it in that episode. Why do I feel like... Did we report on this? On what? On Halo 3? Yeah, on Halo 2. Uh, all the Halo games. Except for this one. Yeah. Okay. This is a in-between Halo 2 and 3. Oh, okay. I was like, why does this sound so familiar? It, yeah. Okay, we slip, didn't do ODST. The slip space? Okay. This is when this takes place r- right after that slip space. It's like a bonus. Yeah. To the Halo. It was so good when it dropped, and it's still good. So, I'm just going to go through the missions. Okay. So, the first one, mission, quote-unquote, is called Prepare to Drop. This one is literally just a cutscene. Okay. And it's uh, the introduction to the main player character known as Rook or Rookie. Yay. Doesn't have a name. You're silent. Um, so, this one just kind of introduces you to the different squad mates, mm-hmm. which is Buck, Mickey, Dutch, Romeo, and Dare. Those are certainly names. Yeah. So, uh... <laughs> Yeah, it just kind of, they go back and forth banter, and then you eventually get into the drop pod. Mm -hmm. And one thing that they added is 
Buck, who is your kind of commanding officer, he's the leader of your squad. Okay. He uh, says a specific phrase depending on what difficulty you're on when you're about to drop. So on easy and medium, he says, Troopers, we are green and very, very mean. (laughs) On heroic, he says, Punker up Marines or sure as hell ain't hosing out your pods. (laughs) And finally on legendary, he says, We are dropping into hell, Troopers. Time to grow a pair. Oh, Jesus. Okay. Yeah, so you drop down, and uh, it just shows you dropping through. It's a very cool sequence. There's a little more banter between the squad. Mm -hmm. And then you see the Covenant dropship. Slip space, which causes an EMP to go out, which disables a lot of your shit. So people try to, uh, a lot of the troopers are pulling their chutes for the uh, drop pod. Mm -hmm. Well, one shoots back up and actually hits your pod, so you fucking fly out of... Okay. Yeah. So, that's the end of that quote-unquote mission. (laughs) So... Mombasa Streets. This is where you wake up. I believe it's eight hours after the drop. Okay. As Rook. You are in your pod, and it's night. Oh. Okay. Sorry. Yeah. And uh, so she's just getting in my face with her hand. I am in his face because things fell. Yeah. Okay, so... Welcome uh, to the pod lab. we, (laughs) We will continue. So, uh, this is... Kind of the main area you will go back to for all the missions you are trying as Rook to reconnect with your squad. So what you're doing is you're going to different areas, and you are finding clues okay. that will kind of start flashback missions that where you play as your squad members to figure out where they went. Oh, okay. So that's kind of how the missions work in this game. That makes sense. Yeah, so the mood, very dark, you feel very alone. Like, it's just... That's sad. It's fucking, it's crazy, because the music that they play, perfect. Uh-huh. And, uh... Does it make you feel somber? Yes. Oh. The, you're, it's at night, it's raining. You already have depression. Yeah, and <laughs> the city's evacuated, so the only thing you'll really be encountering are Covenant, of course. So you're running around the city trying to find these things, and you come up across, like, just random patrols of Covenant. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, let's see, I did, uh, mention the clues that you're going to find. So there's beacons in specific parts of the, um, uh, map. Mm-hmm. And you go to the one that's, like, really marked. I believe it's marked in blue as the next one to go to. Oh. And if you just play this straight through, none will pop up. But if you decide to just, like, drop into a random mission and then go, all of them will be there. So, so okay. yeah. <laughs> so I will be saying all of these missions in order of what they're supposed to be played. Cool. Yeah. So uh, the first one is uh, to... Tayari Plaza. <laughs> Ty- can I see how that's... T-A-Y-A-R-I. Yeah, I would have gone with that, too. Yeah. yeah nope. <laughs> so, this is the first time you take the point of view of another squad member, and it's a buck. Oh. Yeah. Buck? Yeah, buck. Do and we have him in a pop? Yes, we do. We have little ODST buck. Oh, we'll share, I'll share a picture of that on the Instagram when this episode goes out. Heck, I yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and you'll remember Buck from Halo 5. Yeah, you love Buck. I do. He's my favorite. That's why we have a pop. Exactly. So, um, your mission here is to make your way through the city. It's about 
30 minutes after the drop. Mm-hmm. So, like, you land and you get out of the pod. Okay. And uh, you have to make it to Dare. Dare? That's the other... That's the... Okay, her whole thing is she's naval intelligence, so she is your boss. She's So she's above Buck. Okay. So, and... Buck and Dare have history. Okay. You said Dare, and my brain said, like, that 90s drug program, and I was like, <laughs> Buck's doing, uh, doing some drugs? No. <laughs> no, he is trying to find Dare. And, uh, so this mission is pretty simple. You're just fighting through a shit ton of Covenant, because at this point, it's still daytime, and you just landed. Mm-hmm. So you're in the middle of the war zone. Ooh. Yeah, so you're fighting through... And you do keep getting caught up by, like, doors and barricades brought up by the, uh, uh, the Covenant. Okay. So, uh, there is a little cool, it's not really an Easter egg, but it kind of is. Uh, at one point in the mission, you'll see a whole bunch of dead brutes and elites. Okay. Because if you remember in the third game, you're on a team with the elites. Oh. But at this point in the story, Buck is confused. He's like, don't they work together with the like, what the hell's going on? Why did they slaughter each other? Yeah. And if you look at one of the elites that's kind of back in a corner, mm-hmm. if you remember energy swords from Halo... Oh, of course. Yeah. There's an elite, and if you look down at both of his hands, you can see that he was holding two energy swords at once. And I'm like, how did this fucker die? <laughs> yeah, this is a good question. Okay, for people who don't know what energy swords look like, they look like, uh, they look like giant pew-pew things. But they're not pew-pew things, they're shiny. They're slashy things. They're shiny. They're made of plasma. That doesn't help. They're shiny, and then they glow blue. And if you've seen a toy of them, you'll probably be like, why is this double, like, circular penile thing there? And that's the energy. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) I will also share a picture of the energy sword when this goes out. Giant pew-pew thing that's penile, okay? (laughs) So... Um, at the end of the mission, near the end, oh, thunder. We have ambient sound. So (laughs) when you get to the end of the mission or near the end, Dare starts talking and she's saying that uh, they're surrounding her pod Okay. and that she might not make it. And Buck's like, hold on. No. (laughs) Hold, Hold up. No. And I will say you can take as much time as you need, but there's that whole, I gotta get to Dare's pod. So you get there. Mm-hmm. And you open up the pot, it's empty. She's not there. Really? Yeah. So it's very weird. So um, you get she there. She to go do drugs. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you end up seeing Romeo. Okay. Yeah, and there's a funny interaction between the two because uh, when it was in Prepare to Drop, Buck told Romeo to stay quiet. He's like, that's an order. Just shut the fuck up, <laughs> essentially. So when he's I like. I want to give this order. Yeah, he sees Romeo, and he's like, have you seen anybody? And he just, like, shakes his head, and he's like, hey, you got your ears on? And he just, like, motions at his helmet, and he's like, right, smartass, you have permission to speak. And Romeo pops up his visor and goes, yeah, no, I haven't seen anybody. (laughs) So Romeo's being smartass. I kind of love that personality, though. he's so good. That's why we're together. Yeah. Shout out to the proposal episode. Yeah. Woohoo! But, <laughs> and to our relationship. Yeah, the last three years. Woo! Woo! Anyway, <laughs> <laughs> so, um, with that, uh, 
there are these enemies called engineers. I will explain them later. Okay. But um, you do end up seeing one. And the it's like tentacle is through Dare's helmet. You see Dare's helmet, and it's like stabbed through the helmet, but not the rest of her body. She's not dead, from what you can tell. Define tentacle, like actually. <laughs> <laughs> He's like wiggling his arm and like. Yeah, a tentacle. Okay, so like an actual like octopus tentacle. Yeah. Like ew. Okay. Yeah. So um, this thing it comes like rolling up on you. And, uh, Romeo ends up shooting it, yeah. and it falls, but then it, like, blows up, because that's what engineers do. Fucking hell. And the helmet goes flying oh. through a window, and while it's doing that, there's a camera, and you can see, like, a little character, I'll explain who that is, up in the top right corner. Okay. It's just a round, like, a, a round, or a circle, with two eyes that change. Like a ball with eyes. Yeah, but okay. they're just, like, a single block that's the eye, or the eyes. Like, each block is an eye. Horrified. Yeah, no, it's adorable, and you'll love him. Okay. Yeah, so, uh, as the helmet is going through the window, mm-hmm. it makes, a like, a happy face, because it goes through, it's like, ah! Oh! <laughs> it's, it's so cute, it's like, ah, oh, it's scarred. Oh, God. So, Free. yeah. And, uh... The clue that you find via the beacon mm-hmm. is Dare's helmet that oh. went through. You find it smashed into a TV that's on the wall. Alrighty then. And that's what you have to find. So, going back to Mimbasa Street, you head back through and you eventually make it to the next beacon, which sends you to the Uplift Reserve mich- Mission. Okay. Which has you playing as Dutch. Hmm. Yeah, kind of the heavy weapons guy. Okay. It's weird. There's like two heavy weapons guys. Can't have enough muscle on your team. Yeah. So, um... That's why I'm here. Yeah, Dutch. Equipped with a Spartan laser, which is awesome. <laughs> yeah. He just hops out. Uh, this is about... Oh, this one's about 30 minutes. The last one was immediately after drop. This one's about 30 minutes after drop. Okay. So your whole goal here is to make it through the Uplift Nature Reserve. Oh. And the reason it's called the Uplift is because there is a space elevator nearby, which mm-hmm. I explained in the third game what that is. Oh, yeah, the space elevator. No, the, the fifth, I'm sorry, the fifth game. Space Space elevator. Oh, my God. I yeah, was but you remember. Elevator. Yes, yeah. I do. And if you don't, check out the Halo 5 episode. Yes. But more importantly, check out all of them because... <laughs> Halo is in order. Yeah. So, um... That game is as linear as books. Yes. Except for this one. This is the most non-linear of the games. Yep. Yeah, but that's, you know, it's fine. So what you have to do is you take a uh, one of the warthogs okay. and just drive through and just try to make it to the end. That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah, so you're just driving through and there's a lot of... Nope. <laughs> there's a lot of <laughs> uh, shooting and blowing up Covenant vehicles. A lot of open areas and then short chasms that you have to go through. (laughs) Stop with the thing. So, yeah, and I apologize if I'm going through this quickly. Uh, This game, I'm just trying to explain it as much as I can without giving too much away, and yeah. That's fine. Yes. That's as much as I typically do for a book. (laughs) Sure, but anyway. (laughs) I skip a lot, okay? (laughs) So, um, the end of this mission has you getting to the very top of the nature reserve, and... 
you there's a hole in the wall that you drive the warthog through. Fun fact, if you randomly decide to pick up a ghost at any point, mm-hmm. and you drive through, the ending cutscene will be you in a ghost. So, so it, changes through, it does change it, oh, yeah. That's so cool. Yeah, so you go through and the cutscene happens where you land, you jump out and like Dutch like bah, bah, on the ground, like hits hard. And he turns around and goes, "Is that, uh, please tell me I don't have to do any more flying today. <laughs> and then a, like a, air, a UNSC aircraft that's like a drone comes flying in and crashes into the statue that's near you. And a camera, the camera from it pops off and like skids. Uh-huh. And he goes, is that a yes? <laughs> and then the vehicle that you drove through the hole explodes. And he turns around and goes, amen. <laughs> <laughs> That that is a yes. Yeah. If I've ever confirmed one. Yeah. So the clue that you have to find is that camera that fell off, of, that skidded off of the aircraft. Okay. Yeah, and it's just kind of in the middle of the plaza that he landed in. Ooh. Yeah. So back to Mombasa streets. Mombasa. Mombasa. That's a fun name. It is New Mombasa. I don't know if Mombasa is an actual city. In- I feel like it's an actual thing. Yeah. And I feel like it is. An African or native thing. I, I mean, this like is a, a Kenyan city, so there you go. Yeah, so it I could be. New, I'm I'm gonna Google it. Okay, and while you're doing that, I will talk about where you're going for the next one. Okay. So you make your way again through the city streets, and you make your way to Kazingo Boulevard. Oh. And this is where you play as Mickey. The only time you do so, he's the explosive slash other heavy weapons guy. Mombasa is a real city. Nice. And I'm like, why does it sound familiar? Because I studied Kenya once. Nice. And I forgot. <laughs> Unless it... Yeah, no, it was Kenya. Okay. And then I did Libya after, and I really liked it because their flag was super easy. They were like, draw the flag. It's a green flag. It's nice. A, Just a solid green. It's a solid green flag. Doesn't That's have a, like a symbol? No. Just green. Fuck yeah. And I was like, Cool. Solid green flag. I can draw that. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, this is the only time you play as Dutch, or I'm sorry, Mickey. Mm-hmm. And uh, what you have to do is you meet up with a squad of Marines, mm-hmm. and you get into a tank, and you fight your way through the streets of Mombasa to make it to, uh, or make it through Kazingo Boulevard. Gotcha. It apparently changed. It did change. And now it has red black and a moon and a star it did used to be just a green flag though nice okay anyway sorry i want (laughs) to i want to be correct (laughs) (laughs) so uh you take this tank and you're just fighting through this i believe is what is credited in the halo lore as the battle for new mombasa so this is like the specific fight okay which is i think super cool the fight end all not really, but... <laughs> this game. <laughs> yeah. So, um, in the mission, you get on the tank and you head... Eventually, I believe you do meet up with Dutch, which is pretty neat. <laughs> and uh, there are uh, goss hogs, which are warthogs, but with goss cannons on the back. I'm just imagining, like... I know it's not gauze, but I'm thinking, like, actual warthogs covered in gauze. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Mummy or dogs. Yep. <laughs> 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 
My brain's gone. Mummy Hogs, that's the name of the episode. There we go. What did we say the first part? Toilet was? Boulevard or whatever it was. Commode. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> We've already forgotten. Yep. <laughs> it's like an hour ago. It's fine. Anyway, so you make it through the city, blowing up as much shit as possible because Naturally you're in fun. a fucking scorpion tank. Naturally fun. Yeah, exactly. So That's my level of chaos. <laughs> so the mission ends with you making it to the Oni Alpha site, which mm-hmm. is... Uh, I forget what Oni stands for. I think I covered it in a... Wasn't that episode? that computer game that used to be around where you had the lady with the purple hair? No? Something else entirely. Yeah, it is. Okay. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> I was trying to make a joke. Sorry. <laughs> So, the clue you have to find for this mm-hmm. is a broken turret from a Gauss cannon. So, it's not the Gauss hog. It's a stationary Gauss cannon. Okay. Yeah, and you find it in the plaza where you find the tank in the mission. Mummy cannon in the tank. Got yes. It. So, um, these, of course, you're finding these clues, story-wise, many hours after these things happened. So these, the broken Goss cannon is literally just chilling there and there's nobody else around. Mm-hmm. So it's at night. Gotta redo that or like reiterate that. So next you head down essentially the same path you went okay. in the mission to make it to the Oni Alfie, uh, Alfie. <laughs> Oni Alpha site bridge, which you will notice is now destroyed, like, blown up. And also, there's no building on the other side of the... Oh no, Alfie! Alfie site! Oh no! no. So, (laughs) here you play as Dutch again. Okay. So, how you start out this mission is by setting demolition charges Mm -hmm. and blowing up the bridge. That's how you find out the bridge is blown up. So there's a whole bunch of Covenant troops coming across the bridge and you blow that shit up. Mm -hmm. Which is, hell yeah. I so, mean, sweet. Yeah. Then you continue backwards because... Why the fuck not? Well, you're going back to the own Oni site. I mean, why the fuck not? <laughs> well, to defend, obviously, because Covenant, they can... They have dropships. Okay. Yeah, almost said dropships. <laughs> so, <Stop>. you are <laughs> going to defend the Alpha site uh, in a very firefight style, which I will explain what firefight is later. I think I might have touched on it a little bit in, um, like, in earlier game or in earlier episodes. Okay. But you're going to defend it, and then you finally get to head inside and go on the elevator, head towards the top, fighting a lot of Covenant on the way, especially the flying ones called drones? I think I don't remember because I hate these things. They're, they look like giant insects and they just... Kind of like me trying to forget certain parts of a book that I yeah. really just really wish I could forget. Yeah, same. But, uh, <laughs> so the... Shout out to two episodes ago. Yeah. <laughs> so the uh, mission ends with you being on the roof, killing all of the brutes that happen to be up there and getting on a pelican. And then blowing up the Omi Alpha site with the charges that were set there. Yeah, exactly. So, uh, the clue to find to start this mission is the uh, remote detonator. It took you, like, four seconds to figure Because I was looking up and I was like, turret from a goshog, that's not right. 
So the remote detonator. Yeah. <laughs> so okay. Yeah, you um head back into the city streets of New Mombasa, mm-hmm. and you eventually make it to near the police station, oh. the police headquarters. Okay. And this starts the mission. NMPD, New Mombasa Police Department, HQ. That's solid. Yeah. And this is where you're played as, or where you play as Romeo. Oh. Yeah, the sniper. His, his name is Romeo and he's the sniper. He didn't want to be the sniper, but at the beginning of the game, Buck hands him a sniper rifle and he's, uh, they didn't know that they were going to land on the ground, by the way. It's just funny to me. I'm sorry. But, um, (laughs) they... They didn't know that uh, Dare had changed the plans of what they were doing, like, where they were landing. Okay. So they thought they were going on to the ship, that uh, the Covenant dropship. Yeah. So when Buck hands him the sniper rifle, he says, the hell am I going to do with this inside of a Covenant dropship? He's <laughs> like, that's a good point. That's a good question. Yeah. It's, mm. <laughs> So you find out that you don't go into the ship. So. It's just the fact that it's like, here's a gun. It's a sniper. Yep. <laughs> yeah, because he had a shotgun, and then Buck grabs the shotgun, takes it away from him, and then gives him a sniper. Yeah. Yeah, so this level is on the rooftops, like the skyscraper rooftops. Okay. That's kind of surrounding this uh, police department HQ. So as you head through this level, it's all of these levels are... They are, um, sorry, I lost my place. Uh, they are very straightforward, very similar to Halo, where it's just, you go through, you kill a lot of shit. Okay. Yeah. So this one, you're on the rooftops, you eventually meet up with Dutch and Mickey in the Pelican. So yeah, it's real cool because you meet up with your squad again, but not as rookie as Romeo. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, guess what? You get to, I think... Um, Buck is there as well. I could be very wrong, but it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> so, what happens is you end up, uh, the end of the mission deals with a cutscene in which you, as the three of you, fight a brute chieftain, which is the super big... <laughs> okay. <laughs> and I don't, that doesn't help me remember yeah. what it is, but now I'm just thinking of Tyler's, like, way too... Elite sound. <laughs> 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 Big upper side, tiny legs. Yeah. No, the brutes, they kind of look like gorillas. Okay. If that, if you remember that. I kind of. I shall yeah. Google again so I can remember. Yes. Because my so, brain is absolutely um, As trash. you're fighting them, he does have a gravity hammer. Okay. Like uh, the most brute chieftains do. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. The ju- yep. Jural honey. Yep. Jural honey. Um... <laughs> Okay, yeah. <laughs> I get it. So, um, and... They at, do kind of look like gorillas. Yeah. At one point, uh, he turns around because... Or hammer around. Okay, okay. And there's kind of a blade on it. And he brings it down on Romeo. Ah. He puts the sniper in front of him. But, of course, it catches and still goes into his chest. Ah. And then the sniper gets flung off the roof. No! They, of course, end up killing the chieftain after that. Romeo's not dead. Okay, good. Yeah. So, that's kind of where this ends. You see the uh, sniper rifle falling. That's where the mission ends. Okay. So, the clue to find here is the sniper rifle. Oh. It's, and this one, I will say, if this is your first time playing this mission, Mm -hmm. or this game, for that matter, 
this will be the hardest one for you to find. It took me for fucking ever to find this the first time. I'm like, where the hell is this clue? Fucking ever. It's because it's not on the ground or on in the wall. It's not close to the ground like every other one. If you look up, it's just in the power lines. It's hooked there. So you just look up and it's like, oh, there it is. Shit, okay. Yeah. And of course you find out how it got there after you do the mission. Right after this. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, you head to uh, the next mission where the Romeo, Mickey, and Dutch, mm-hmm. but not Rookie. This uh, kind of brings up the last flashback mission. All right. And this is called the Kikawani Station. <laughs> Which is a train station. Kikawana? Kikawani. <laughs> and uh, so you play as Buck again. Yeah. And uh, the starting cut scene has you, uh, the squad carrying Rose, like, I don't think I'm going to make it. And then they get a foam canister because Mickey kind of also doubles as the medic. Uh, okay. He gets a foam canister, sticks it in the wound, and fills it up. So it's one of those adhesive, like, healing foams. Yeah, but I can't imagine how much that would, A, sting, or B, uh, yeah. feel really fucking weird. Yeah, so Romeo, obviously not really able to fight, kind of has, I think it's Mickey carry him. Okay. And you have to kind of protect them. He's a backpack, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you kind of, you have to head through the uh, train station until you eventually find... And this is a very open train station, like, futuristic-looking. So, you do eventually find Banshees. Oh. And a Phantom that you can hijack, which Mickey and Romeo take. Well, don't. Yeah, so, because Mickey... <laughs> That's just common Mickey, sense. for whatever reason, is, like, everything. He's the medic, demolitions expert, semi-heavy weapons guy, because he can drive a tank, and he's known for driving vehicles. And he's chaos. Yeah, so he's, like... I'm going to fly the Phantom. I'm just going to take that thing. Okay, cool. Yeah. Bye. So they go up there, and you get on the Banshees, and you have to clear the path for them. Cool. For the Banshee. Or the Phantom. I have my apologies there. And the mission ends with, like, as soon as you're about to, like, get clear of everything, you find, you kind of find Dare's location via Distress Beacon. Oh. So Buck has you, or has Mickey, turn the Phantom around to try and find him. And that's really how the mission ends. That's easy. Yeah. Not really, but... No, it's not, because there is a lot of shit you gotta deal with, <laughs> and you do have to drop down at multiple times to find different banshees. I think and... I meant easy ending. Yeah. Not... Yeah, because there's a lot of turrets and phantoms and banshees that you have to deal with. <laughs> That'd be one of those... <laughs> yeah, you're just, fuck, fuck, fuck! You have to get out of the banshees to open up these giant doors that would normally open for trains, but since there's no trains, they don't open. So they're like the service tunnel entrances. Okay. And you have to open them up to go through with the banshees. Okay, Because at this part, for whatever reason, like, you're going over water. So it's the flooded part. All right. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me, at least. Interesting. So the clue to find here is the biofoam canister used to heal Romeo. Okay. Or to heal, to cure his wound. To fill it like a wasp's nest. Yes. Okay. Yeah, it's... I'm sure a lot of people hated Ooh. that sound, because I sure did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not so, sorry. Of course, following this, you head... Um, I don't think you actually head down into the station, but you do know that you have to head underground to try and find Dare's distress beat. 
broken. Because oh, right. you also hear it. Mm-hmm. So this is kind of in the realm where you're getting closer to what your squad like did closer to your time period. Oh. So this next mission is the first true full mission playing as Rook, and it's the first linear beginning of a mission. So back to Halo style, where you continue off of missions. Yay! So from now on, you get to play as Rook. Yes! Yeah. So this level, uh, you hear Dare's distress signal, and you head down an elevator shaft, which is super cool, and you make it to the superintendent, uh, superintendent, Mm -hmm. uh, data center. I'll explain who the superintendent is. You make it to the data center, and you find Dare and Virgil. Okay. Virgil is an engineer. Okay. One of those floaty... I'll tell you about He was here before. Well, one of his kind was. Yes. Yes. Okay, yes. And you have to escort Dare and Virgil to the exit, where you eventually find Buck. Oh. Yeah. And you, once you find Buck, you continue along the way to try and get to safety. Okay. Yeah, so, I just love that she named him Virgil. <laughs> I don't know because they don't talk. This is the thing with the tentacle. Uh, no. One of the things, so. Uh, uh, no, <laughs> hentai, no. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so. I just uh, revealed a lot about me in that one sentence. You're welcome. <laughs> so this next mission is the last mission. Oh. Yeah. So Sorry. immediately continuing off of the last mission. I don't know what I just did with my arms. <laughs> I'm so weird. Uh, <laughs> so you get to uh, the beginning of Numbasa's Coastal Highway, which is the name of the mission, Coastal Highway. Okay. And Dare and Virgil get into one of the Covenant's like transporting ground vehicles, and you and Buck get into either scorpions or warthogs along the way. Take your pick. Yeah. And you have to escort uh, Virgil and Dare through along this coastal highway, blowing shit up. It's a great way to end the mission. That's fun. Yeah, it's so much fun. Like, you're just driving down a highway and there's shit coming at you, like banshees and just checkpoints full of uh, covenant. I'm just, like, imagining someone who's, like, completely new to this and who decided to pick this one up. Yeah. And they're doing this mission. Like, they've done everything else. Of course, they've probably, like, ah! the whole way through. Yeah. And I'm just imagining them going through this whole thing and screaming uh, even louder. Yeah. And it's, for some reason, bringing me so much joy. <laughs> <laughs> I do want to say, with this mission, it is daytime again. It's starting to be daytime again. Oh, yay! Yeah. So, I think, I could be wrong, don't quote me on that, or you can and just call me an idiot. (laughs) (laughs) So, at the end of the coastal highway, you are met by a building that they can't enter, and they have to hold a hold-off covenant, firefight style, again, until the phantom that Mickey and Romeo stole earlier comes and saves them. Okay. So, this also leads to the ending cutscene of the squad leaving the city. Like, fully, they're just leaving, and um, this gets close closer to where the city got, quote-unquote, glassed, which you see in Halo 3, where they're oh. uncovering everything for the uh, forerunnership that the Prophet's on at okay. the beginning of the third game. Alright, that makes sense. Yeah! So, this is the last time you get to see Mombasa. Good for you, Mombasa. Yeah, so... 
really cool cutscene. Uh, you did it. You won the game. You did it. You did it. You did so, it. So, really cool feature in this game is the visor. V-I-S-R. And this thing really acts as your... I thought you were going to spell visor. And no. I was like, I know how to spell visor, Tyler. No. <laughs> <laughs> this thing works as kind of your HUD. It uh, allows you to throw up waypoints like, hey, I, need, I don't know where to go. And if you press a button, it'll like a little superintendent symbol will pop up. That's super nice. Yeah. And um, I suggest you Google Halo ODST superintendent. Okay. Because you will, this is the circle face thing. Oh, okay. Halo superintendent, keep talking. Yeah. So, um, the visor also allows you to, that's what, (laughs) you just popped up, you didn't type in Halo superintendent. Oh my god, that's hilarious. You sent a picture of a bunch of white ass dudes. <laughs> I can't breathe. <laughs> the third option down. Yes, there you go. That little dude. It looks like a button. He's cute, isn't he? He's very cute. Yeah, and his face changes. So, um, that's the symbol that pops up in the waypoint and in the corner of certain missions where there's a camera. Mm-hmm. Like when the Dare's helmet goes through the window. Mm-hmm. So... I'm trying to calm down, guys. Yeah. So, <laughs> the visor also works as night vision. Okay. Get it out because you're not concentrating <laughs> I'm at all. I'm hearing you. <laughs> Just keep going. <laughs> you gotta truck through this laughter. So, the uh, other thing that you need in this game are health packs. Because, unlike Master Chief, you don't have those shields. So you can die. Yeah. I mean, as Master Chief, you can die, obviously. But instead of being portrayed as an unkillable killing machine, you are a killable killing machine. So you're human. You're literally, well, I mean, Master Chief is human, but instead of being superhuman, you're just a human. (laughs) You're a Ted Bundy. No. Killable killing machine. Oh, okay. I don't want them to be associated with Ted Bundy, though. He was zapped. They are the highest ranking, uh, like, in the uh, UNSC. They're one of the highest rank okay. people before Spartans. Okay. So it's like Marines, ODST, Spartans. Oh, okay. Yeah. So and so these guys are fucking badass. So you do need... Jacked. Yeah, you will find health packs at various health stations with the superintendent, like, symbol just chilling there, mm-hmm. like, on a screen. It'll just be like, need a pickup? Pick up a health pack. (laughs) Thanks for your help, cute little button. Yeah. So, the superintendent, as I've described so many times, and I will say the description of him, comes from the Halopedia site, and we will also include this in the show notes. He's a green button with white eyes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, the superintendent is a second-generation dumb (laughs) superintendent-class artificial intelligence. (laughs) Oh, God, that reminds me of the white pictures again. (laughs) So, uh, this superintendent class artificial intelligence is in charge of making Mm. sure the infrastructure of the city of New Mombasa runs smoothly. And it's, I believe, one of six of these types of AI that have been made. So that's kind of, you know, that's why there's a data center for him, or data center, whichever you prefer. Data, data, whatever you know what I mean. He's just, you know... You'll see his symbol everywhere in the game. Okay. Yeah. So, 
along with the superintendent. Actually, that made that sentence made no sense. In the game, there are collectibles. <laughs> insert random sentence yeah. here. In, uh, insert. In the game, there are collectibles. Mm -hmm. And one of these, the main one, are audio logs. So throughout the map, there are 30 audio logs to collect. Uh, this gives you a little background as to what was happening at the time of the city's evacuation, as well as unlock supply caches. So uh, the easiest way to find these, I never knew this like when I first played the game, is as you're running through New Mombasa's, uh, the street of New Mombasa, okay. all of the streets, uh, the first one you will find, it like it directs you to it. Mm -hmm. So it'll be a random appliance or something, like an ATM, uh, screen, uh, phone booths, shit like that. Okay. And it'll be outlined in yellow by your visor. Okay. But a way to know that you're near one is car alarms will start going off, uh, the uh, road blockades will just start like going up and down, signs will flash, oh. so it kind of shows you like, hey, you're near one, look around. Cats and dogs getting together, mass hysteria. Yeah, mass hysteria. So you're just like, what is this police siren going off? And you look to the right and it's like, oh shit, there's one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Like, it's just, uh, lights are flashing everywhere. So, uh, to go off of that, supply caches. Once you unlock, there's a shit ton of supply caches. And these become unlocked by getting a certain amount of, uh, audio logs. Excuse me for that. Audio logs. So, I think it's like every four or five. Okay. You get a supply cache. And in these, you can find weapons. Such as, like, simple weapons from pistols and submachine guns uh -huh. to, like, sniper rifles and rocket launchers. You can also find mongoose vehicles. Mongai, mongooses, mongoose. I don't know. I couldn't tell you that one. Yeah, mongoose. Mongooses. Yeah, the the ATVs. It's a mongoostress. A mongoostress. <laughs> a mong... A mongette. <laughs> <laughs> That is uh, a uh, reference to Ewan McGregor doing uh, a if finding a moose. He's like, oh, over there is a female moose. It's a moosette. A mistress. <laughs> so, yeah. He, ah, I love Ewan McGregor. He's a treasure. Scottish boy. <laughs> so, He's time to finally discourage uh, the engineers. They're floaty boys. Yay, floaty boys. So they are these, like, alien-looking creatures that are kind of like this ball with a snake head poking out, and then they got a bunch of tentacles, and they float around. <laughs> yeah, that's their description. They glow light-ass blue, and what they do, they're usually neutral, mm -hmm. but if they are near Covenant, mm -hmm. they give the Covenant shields. Oh. But they can also give each other shields, which is annoying. <laughs> <laughs> They are also, uh, when you do enough damage to them or clear out the uh, covenant that are near them, mm -hmm. they will self-destruct. And ex they will explode. Just That's so much that they can be. Yeah, and that explains why the one exploded that had Dare's helmet. Uh, yeah. Yeah, because it was shot, and then, yeah. Mm -hmm. So, there are two achievements... At least for the original version, I'm not sure about the remaster, which I will talk about. Uh, the remaster, I don't know if these achievements are still there. Mm -hmm. The first one is Good Samaritan. Yeah. 
and that is do not kill any of them throughout the entire game. Okay. Like, just don't kill, don't shoot them. They will self-destruct. That doesn't count as killing them. Oh. Just don't shoot them at all. Don't, don't fucking look at them. Just ignore them. They're not there. They're not there. Exactly. They're like that uh, ghost that stares at you from around the corner. It's not there. Yeah. It's there, but it's not there. Yeah, just Just don't pay attention to it. (laughs) It's the man with the hat. And the the other achievement is called Naughty Naughty. And that's for killing all of them, I think. (laughs) You can go, like, one of three ways. You could be, like, you know, neutral. Like, you kill a few, but you leave the rest alone. But you could be, like, totally good. They don't exist. You're fine. And then you could be like, kill them all! The, the <laughs> thing about killing them all, there's two that's hidden in like this little side alleyway. Mm-hmm. So like, if you go through killing all of them, and then you don't kill those two, okay, it's kind of like, oh, well I fucking missed them. And this all happens before the uh, Data Hive mission, which is the first mission where you play as Rook fully, oh. near the end of the game. Because after this, you will be fighting them, essentially, and it, okay. it happens, you will shoot them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so these are awarded uh, before, or as soon as you start the Data Hive mission. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, up next is Firefight, which I believe I've touched on a little bit in the previous games. Mm-hmm. Firefight is a game mode where you and up to three other people, so four total, uh, you just... You select a map, and you go up against waves of increasing difficulty of Covenant that just keep coming at you. And it's rounds. Uh, this is very similar. This came off of, I believe, Gears of War Horde mode. This is what branched off of Horde mode. Oh, yeah, because you said that Gears of War was the first one to do that. Yes. Okay. And this is where they got the idea. Of course, they... It's a brilliant idea. Yeah, of course, they were just like, shout out to Gears for doing this, like... Thank you, Gears. Yeah, for giving this idea and allowing it. Whoever's like, brainchild that was. Yeah. Shout out to you. Thank you. <laughs> so, uh, that is Firefight. Uh, it's very straightforward. You just It's mainly just see how long you can last. Yeah. Yeah. How long can you go without being shot by a bullet? Yeah, well, <laughs> before you die. Anyway, because you will be shot a lot. That's awful. Why yeah. am I laughing? <laughs> so... <laughs> In classic Halo fashion, Mm -hmm. this game has powerhouse voice actors. Heck yeah. The, uh, let's see, the voice actor for Buck? Yeah. Nathan Fillion. That's who... That's why you love him so much. Yeah. You have a crush on Nathan Fillion. He is God. (laughs) He is a God. He has a crush on his own God. Yes. (laughs) If you don't know who Nathan Fillion is, he was in Firefly, he was in, uh, no, uh, a castle. Yeah. Uh, he, so many other things. He's Nathan Fillion. He is Nathan Fillion. Yeah. I thought you were going to say, if you don't know who Nathan Fillion is, get out. <laughs> yeah, get out from underneath that rock you're living under. No, I thought you were just going to say get out. Leave. <laughs> just leave. Right now. <laughs> but, uh, let's see. The next person is Dare, who is vo- voiced by Trisha Helfer. I believe that's how you pronounce her Helfer. Okay. She... What I kind of really know her for is Battlestar Galactica. She is number six. In yeah. Nice. So if you ever watch that, that's who she is. Pretty cool. Star Wars fan. Yeah. 
Up next is... Wait, what? what? Oh, did you say you're a Star Wars fan? Or if you're a Star Wars fan? No, I said I'm a Star Wars Okay, I was gonna say, that's not Star Wars. I'm not dumb, Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, uh, moving on. He laughs out of fear. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, the next uh, person is the voice of Dutch, who is voiced by Adam Baldwin, who's been in a lot. Another Baldwin? Yes. Um, I don't know if they have any relation. It's possible. But There's like 17 of them. They're true. They're all the same person, too. They all <laughs> look the same and sound the same. Yeah. Well, this guy actually has a gravelier voice. Gravelier voice? Gra More gravelly voice. Like That's correct English. scraped across the floor. Got it. Yeah. And uh, he, what I most know him for is in the movie Independence Day. He is Major Mitchell. Oh. Yeah. So. I haven't seen that one in a while. Yeah, he's I one of the middle. like, last year for literal Independence yeah. Day week, and I just, I didn't watch it. <laughs> it's a great movie, though. I am terrible about paying attention to things. <laughs> Here we are. <laughs> so, up next <laughs> is Mickey. Okay. Who is voiced by Alan Tudyk. 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 Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. <laughs> Alan Tudyk. <laughs> okay. He is, he is amazing, and I love him so much. And if you don't know who he is, my favorite role that he's ever been in is in Dodgeball Steve the Pirate. Yes, I love him in so many things. He's Hey Hey, okay? If you've seen Moana, he's the chicken. Yes. All right. He's also, oh god, I believe he is the guy that plays Green Arrow in the Injustice games. I voiced him. Yeah, voiced least. him. Um, I... I just love him. He's he is also in Firefly. He's Wash. Yes, yes. So Nathan Fillion and Adam. Adam. If we get a chance to meet Alan Tudyk, let's do it. We had a chance to meet Alan Tudyk let's, and we didn't. Let's do it. And there was a giant guy walking around in a hey hey costume, and I yep. was like, "That's a fucking giant chicken." <laughs> <laughs> but uh, anyway, the last like major one that I would like to reference is Romeo. Yep. Voiced by Nolan North. Naturally. We were right next to him. Yes. When we met E.G. Daly. Yeah. For my birthday. Ah! But uh, Nolan North, uh, if you don't know him, major name in the gaming industry. He's Dr. Rick Tolfin in Zombies. He's iconic. He, he is, is, I believe he's Nathan Drake in the yep. Uncharted series. Yep. That's a game I would like to I... report on. I'm not going to lie. I've already played three. Yeah. Okay. I got it with the PS3. I finished it in three days. Do you know that uh, Henley tee that I have, the like tan one that's like three-quarter sleeve? I think so. The reason I bought that is because that's the shirt that uh, Nathan Drake wears. Tyler likes cosplaying randomly, so... And like, I want to be Nathan Drake. That's fair. Yeah. You want to be a lot of people. Yeah, but I also like... He fits me, personally. Like, he's my personality. Ah, rich guy personality yeah. in a poor guy's body. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so... <laughs> Uh, with that, uh, the remaster, uh, the remaster was a re released, bleh, released on the Master Chief Collection for five dollars to get the full game on the Master Chief Collection for Xbox One on May thirtieth, two thousand fifteen. Way to go! Yeah, it also came out on Windows for the Master Chief Collection, which recently was added to Windows mm -hmm. this year, September twenty second. On my half birthday. Yeah, 2020. And it is supposedly, or if not already, I don't think already, not already, it's going to be coming out on Series X 
or on the Xbox Series X and S, uh, so X slash S. Okay. Because there's the Series X and the Series S. Yes. Yeah. Okay. It's coming out for that, like, I'm going to guess with the Master Chief Collection, November 17th, 2020. Okay. Yeah. Because it's the 14th today. Yes. If you guys don't know, we recorded a week before. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, remaster, it's the game, but it looks even more beautiful. It looked beautiful back in 2009. It looks still looks beautiful. I saw it, and it was fucking gorgeous. Yeah. So there is, of course, the ambient sound and music that I discussed, like, when you're walking around the mm-hmm. Mombasa streets. It sets the mood so perfectly. Because you have the, just, there's, you barely hear anything besides the, like, covenant ships that are floating around. Mm-hmm. You sometimes hear them moving and whatnot, but you also hear the rain and just the slow, somber music. It is so good feels so nice. Yes. And then, uh, that's, like, one of the biggest things that brought me into this game is because if you can pull off sound so well in a game mm-hmm. that actually puts you there... That's hard to do. It's hard to do. And, oh, You it's... have to have a masterful, um, musician be able to do that, or mm-hmm. somebody who's been in the business, like, let's put... Like the, Disney. Yes. Okay, so Alan Menken and, um, what was his name? They just came out with a documentary for the other guy, and I forgot his name already. I feel so terrible. Those two <laughs> knew how to set a scene. Yes, exactly. They knew how to write a musical. They knew. This is the same guy who created A Little Shop of Horrors. Yes, exactly. And you have to know what you're doing. Exactly. So the composer, who I will actually be mentioning very shortly... Knows what the fuck he's doing because he's Absolutely. been the composer for Halo games except for four, I think. Okay. And uh, so yeah, there is an Easter egg. A lot of people are thinking I'm going to talk about. Or will probably think I'm going to talk about the uh, legendary ending Easter egg in every game. If you beat the game on legendary, there's a weird Easter egg at the end. I'm not talking about that one in, in this game. Okay. Because it's fucking pointless. <laughs> okay. In this one. So, the mission at uh, Kikawani Station, when you're flying around in the Banshees, there's a point where you can uh, fly, and if you look to the right, there's just this opening. I believe it's after Rally Point Alpha. It's after one of the checkpoints in the game. Okay. You turn to the right, and there's just a few Banshees there and some Brutes and whatnot. Mm -hmm. You land there, you go along the wall and climb up a small, like, ramp. Yeah. And drop down onto a platform. When you do that, a holographic image of Marty O'Donnell, the composer for the Halo games, oh. just starts like doing a, a dance. He just starts dancing, and it plays like this. Like, who let you dance? <laughs> yeah, and it's just a fun little Easter egg for him. And there's, funny. like, the little hearts popping around him. I love that. And it's it's just a great Easter egg that they put actually him in the game. I love that. It's so cool. Yeah, and there's actually a video on YouTube that me and my friends made. You can find it. Oh, God. I believe the YouTube channel name is Topper... Zero zero three or zero zero. I think it's zero zero three. Okay. And it's going to be Halo Three ODST like Marty O'Donnell Easter egg. Oh. And you can hear young ass me. Oh God! I'm gonna have to find that and I'm gonna put it in the show notes. Yeah, 
I'll I'll show it to you after this. You're welcome. Yeah, it's it's a bad video, but it, you get to see the Easter egg and what I was doing well before this podcast. <laughs> yeah. So Sorry. it's good. Tiny Tyler, you're gonna you're gonna love Tiny Tyler. Yeah, and it's funny. A guy who I know, Matt Swarm, he is wonderful. Um, probably shouldn't have said his last name, but yeah, that's a common last name. Can we cut that out? No. No. no? Okay. Whatever. Ain't gonna happen. Matt, Matt, you are fucking awesome. Uh, I used to play Xbox with him all the fucking time, mm-hmm. and you get to hear him just reading off the show note or the not the show notes the. Description of Marty O'Donnell. Oh my gosh. <laughs> and he's just like, Marty O'Donnell started with it. And it's just hilarious. That is cool. Yeah. So you get to learn about him as well. So, uh, before I wrap up, there's two things I want to clear up. Mm-hmm. Or I want to mention. So, uh, this game does have a few Vidmasters. I hope you remember them. Yes. I mentioned them in the third game. I think so. They were achievements that gave you zero gamer score, and they, uh, if you got all of the Vidmasters in Halo 3 and Halo 3 ODST, mm-hmm. you got recon armor in okay. Halo 3 multiplayer. Okay. Which, fun fact, the recon helmet is what Dare wears So in this game, so fun <laughs> shit. Okay. Uh, there is one specifically that I, I think you will appreciate, and I think everybody will appreciate. It is called Deja Vu. So, uh, in this mission, you have, or in, for, to get this one, that was a lot of nonsense words. In for to get this one. In order to get this one, (laughs) you have to finish the last mission, the Coastal Highway, on Legendary, with the Iron Skull on, and you have to finish it on the Mongooses, with rockets, with rocket launchers, with four people, you have to do it four people. This pays tribute back to the Vidmaster in Halo 3, where you finish the last mission on Legendary with the Iron Skull on, all on Ghosts. All four of you. That's so chaotic. And cool that they brought it into this one. Yeah. (laughs) I do want to say, oh, why do you have to have rocket launchers? These only spawn in the game if you're playing four players, Legendary, with the Iron Skull on. Why don't you not have rocket launchers? The rocket launchers, these ones are special. They have a thousand ammo. Instead of the normal, like, two shots with four extra. Okay, then. Yeah. That's so unnecessary. This is two shots with 998 extra rockets. That's so unnecessary. So, but the thing is, you're on mongooses? Mongooses. Mongoose. Mongoose. With, um... Yeah, you're on mongoose, and the two people on the back, they would just have assault rifles? No. They're going to give you a fighting chance. Rocket launchers. <laughs> and you just shoot shit. And it's it's a great way to what end. Yeah. game? <laughs> it's for the Vidmaster solely. I don't know if it's still included in the, um, in the game, in the Master Chief collection. Mm-hmm. But I do want to say, I do have it on the original, like, when it came out on 360. Oh, he's coming all fancy. When I when I looked, I had all but 60. one of yeah. It's when a I, 350. A 350. When I looked, I only had I had all but one <laughs> of the Viz Masters, and the one I didn't have was also in ODST. Oh. Very difficult. I didn't want to do it. I still want to, don't want to do it because it's time consuming. <laughs> no thanks. It has to do with firefight and like hard difficulty for friends bullshit. Also no thanks. Yeah. So 
I do want to mention why this is my favorite Halo game. Okay. The uh, the ambiance and the pure beauty of the game. Mm-hmm. As soon as you hit, uh, as soon as you your character comes to on Mombasa streets, mm-hmm. and you kick open that door for the your drop pod and drop in, you are set in this world that you haven't experienced in the Halo games. That's fair. Yeah, you're just alone. You're not Master Chief. You're not any Spartan. You are a soldier. And it's just beautiful. And it, Yeah, and it's just you. The rain, it hits perfect. It is my aesthetic. This game is my aesthetic. Just pretty all around. Pretty, somber, beautiful. Chaotic. Yes. So, with that, I'm going to say this review, very biased. By a lot of people, I'm not the only one. Just due to how this game feels, looks, and plays, it still, like, feels great. That's amazing. Yeah. This game has been greatly considered the best Halo game out of the entire series. I have heard a lot about it from the time it came out. I used to have a poster in my bedroom as a kid of this poster. I actually think I've seen that poster. You have. I... It's the one where the ODST soldier is looking up and the rain's coming around him and it says Halo 3 ODST. Did you get that one signed? No. Okay, I'm thinking of another one. But yes, I have seen that one time and time again. Yeah, it's... It's still there. This is my favorite Halo game. No, it's not. My mother took that over that room as her office. It used to be in that room. Oh, damn it. Yeah. So, this game is my favorite Halo game. And it will always be. It is phenomenal. I love it. It just... It's a solid... 10 out of 10. And there you go. Yeah. A biased Tyler review. Deal with it. If you Deal don't, with it. If you don't think that this game res- deserves a 10 out of 10, leave. <laughs> politely, <laughs> like, politely but not so politely, just throw yourself out the door. Yeah. Okay? Let the door hit your ass on the way out. Multiple times. Yeah. Um. It's a great game. I mean, you, there could be... No, I don't think there's anything wrong with this game. The only problem I had was being able to find Romeo's sniper rifle. That's right. But that's because I didn't look up. <laughs> so I was just stupid. That was my fault. You just, and I found it. Yeah. I didn't look. The okay. game is beautiful, and as the games continue to go on, I always try to get the ODST helmet for my character. Yeah. Yeah. You really do. Mm-hmm. Um, so I guess with that, we should probably wrap up so I can go staff finally. Yeah, at the fire station. So, with that, follow our social medias, which is the Instagram. At Page of Buds Podcast. You can follow our Twitter. At Turn and Mash Pod. You can join our Facebook group. Page Turners and Button Mashers, which I feel like that's been neglected quite a bit. I Harley tends to post a lot of memes in there you about games. You can meet Harley in there. Harley's yeah, and wonderful. us. Yeah, and us, of course. But, yeah. like, Harley. Yeah. The infamous Harley. The infamous Harley. Um, love you, buddy. <laughs> Uh, let's see, what else? We have the Patreon. Yes. Uh, Patreon.com <laughs> forward slash Page and Buttons Podcast. You can also email us. That's at Page and Buttons Podcast at gmail.com. We still want your stories. We still want your stuff. We would very much love to do a listener episode. Like, like tell us your like your greatest memories with games. Yeah, tell us everything. I, I, I want to learn... Your creative side. Please tell me about stories you've written. Tell me the stories you've written. Uh, Share any games you've made, whether they've been projects for school or like serious shit. Just yeah, yeah. Share or with us even, memes. Even if you've voiced a game, 
Oh my god, that would been be been a voice actor in a game. That would be amazing. Let us know the game. Let us know your experience. I would cry. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, I, I just, I really want to hear from you guys. Yeah. I would love to. Exactly. Uh, what else? We can, uh, you can buy us a coffee. At buymeacoffee.com forward slash page N buttons. The letter N. The letter N. Yeah, and if you don't want to click on any of these, you can, in our show notes, is the link tree that has links to all of them. It has everything in Including the merch. our merch. The merch. Which no, is merch on TeePublic. Page and Buttons podcast, I think, is what you have to type in. I think so, but legitimately, you can just find it in the show notes and just click on our link tree, which is tagged on every social, social media. media, everything. Yes. Because we want to make it easy for you guys to be wearing a Page Turners and Button Mashers logo and on you. If you do that, if you we got stickers, mugs, shirts, yes, children's sweaters. Yeah. Uh, speaking of stickers, we have a big thing coming up. Okay. So, I started, we started, technically. Yes. Uh, we have a giveaway. Because we're getting close to a thousand. We are on the road help to us, a thousand. Help us get there, guys. Tell your friends. Make your mother listen to Okay, maybe don't make your mother listen to it. <laughs> Unless she's really into vulgar language and books and games. And really random brains. Yeah. Um... Tell people that you think would love this podcast. Tell your friends. Tell your coworkers. Tell the people that you like, or tell people that you don't like if you really hate us. <laughs> <laughs> then why are you here? And then just share the Twitter post. Share the Instagram post. Like it. Love it. Comment on it. Do whatever you can. Get your name into that draw. And I am giving away. We are giving away five draws. Of a special edition holographic that sticker isn't on our store. That so. isn't anywhere. You can't buy it anywhere. Mm -hmm. So I bought those special for this. for this and for very special occasions. Yeah. So with that, no. get on it. Yeah, but before we end, if you do happen to buy some merch and stuff, take a picture, tag us on uh, Instagram or Twitter. And we'll definitely be like, check out these guys buying our shit. Absolutely. We'll give you a major shout out. But real. Yeah, we already shouted out Jordan from Dads on Dayquil for yeah, getting shirt our shirt. Looks so good. Yeah. On him. Yeah. And Tyler has a nearly matching red sweater because he's his daddy now. <laughs> Hi, Dad. And uh, yeah, there's uh, we have quote unquote side shirts, which uh, there's the turn those pages and mash those buttons. Yeah, pick a side, guys. Yeah. Um, because let's be real, books are better. Okay. She can think that all she wants. <laughs> Yours takes more attention span. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mine are better. No. Um, <laughs> with that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, who's doing it? Keep on turning those pages. And mash those buttons. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We got it mixed up again. Bye, guys. Bye. <laughs>